You're listening to The Peak Podcast with me, Christina Roman. We're having real, intimate conversations about the interconnectedness of life. Join us as we discuss big topics like intuition, personal mastery, and emotional wellness and why they matter for you. The other day, I was walking down the street and I saw a billboard that said, I got 99 problems and beer solves them all. Within a block, I saw another billboard that said, a 12-hour day is just a countdown to a 12-ounce beer. The next day, I made a pit stop at Target and I saw a notebook that had big letters on the front that said, I need a drink. And then in smaller letters, it said, a journal where I can vent about all the things that are driving me to drink. And that is why I have chosen to drink less in the recent months. And so just want to put it out there. This is not an attempt to convince anyone to drink less. This is not me being preachy or judgy, I promise you. It's just me having a candid conversation about why I've decided to reevaluate my drinking. And that's really why is within two days, I saw those three really, really strong messages about drinking. And I really want to start reevaluating my relationship to alcohol outside of the societal norms and what society is telling me that I should do when it comes to alcohol. So for a little bit of background, this has actually been on my mind for probably about a year or a year and a half. And I've had a few false starts in terms of drinking less. So I would chat with friends about it. I would say, hey, you know, I've been drinking a little bit more than I'm comfortable with, but I wouldn't change anything. And the idea kept popping up over and over in front of me. So As you may have experienced in your life, when you start to get the inkling of something, it starts manifesting in all different directions. And so I found that every single time I opened a podcast or opened a book, I would be confronted by somebody else who had chosen sobriety. A few examples of those people are Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School, Brene Brown, who is all the rage right now talking about vulnerability and shame. Julia Cameron, who's the author of The Artist's Way. I've talked about her book and morning pages quite a bit here on the podcast. Glennon Doyle, who has been on Super Soul Sunday and wrote the book Love Warrior. They have all stopped drinking, and they all have made it part of their stories that they talk about their identities as drinkers and now their identities as non-drinkers. Two concepts that I kept being exposed to were the idea of buffering, and so that's a Brooke Castillo life coach school term, and then the idea of numbing, which is a Brene Brown term. And so they're both fundamentally the same thing. They're these actions that we do consistently or maybe even compulsively in order to buffer against emotions that we don't want to feel. So if you think about social anxiety and having a drink at a bar so that you feel relaxed around people, or you think about unwinding at the end of a long day of work where you feel really stressed out, so you grab a beer, or you go drink all weekend because you don't want to think about Monday, or you have the Sunday scary, so you have, you know, a few glasses of wine on Sunday night before Monday morning. So again, none of this is a judgment, and I absolutely think that alcohol can be consumed in healthy ways in moderation. I just was realizing in my own life that it was becoming more of an assumption that I was going to drink instead of a question of whether I was going to drink. And so I wanted to really break that habit in order to assess the role that alcohol was playing in my life. And I think that this has been especially timely as I've become a life coach because it's become increasingly important for me to show up as my true best version. I know that sounds like life coach jargon, (laughs) but um, I've been really wanting to be completely present to all of my feelings, positive and negative. And I've realized that over-relying on alcohol can really stifle that ability. 
And if you've gotten this far and the idea of not drinking or of drinking less is not at all for you, I encourage you to replace the word alcohol with any other thing that you do to not feel your emotions. So for you, it could be binge watching TV. It could be complaining. It could be um, staying super busy and always having plans. It could be shopping compulsively, smoking a lot of pot. I know a lot of people will say that smoking pot is not as bad as alcohol. Again, I don't really care. I'm not here to get into a moral discussion. It's just, is it preventing you from truly feeling your feelings? And is it stopping you from making progress in your life that you want to make? That's really the question. So whatever form that might take for you, overeating perhaps, that is something to evaluate. And then you can always replace the word alcohol with your vice of choice. And the reason that it's so important to be able to feel your emotions and process your emotions is because your thinking creates your feelings, which create your actions or inactions, which create your results. And so if you think of life through that prism, then you have to know what emotion you're feeling in order to change it in order to get the results that you want. So for example, if shame is a predominant emotion for you, but you don't actually stop to feel it, you're never going to be able to move past shame because you're not going to be aware that it's even there in the first place. So by being aware of your different emotions that are underneath when you're covering it up by things like drinking, you can start to make that diagnosis of what's actually happening with your emotions. You can start watching them and then you can start changing them. So I think it's been really interesting to actually not make a big identity out of not drinking. And so I think I'm always tempted to make a story of being a certain way. So I'm the life coach who doesn't drink because I'm so strong I don't need alcohol. (laughs) Or um, I'm the person who doesn't need to buy copious amounts of makeup at Sephora because I'm confident in my own skin and I know how to save money. Or um, I... Uh, I don't always need plans. I'm really comfortable being alone and making a whole identity and story out of that. So it's been an interesting challenge for me to not build an identity out of not drinking as much. So speaking of not drinking as much, the reason that I have 85% more sober is because I actually did a quick calculation based on the amount of alcohol I was drinking before. And so that was in different settings. So having a glass of wine by myself at home while I'm cooking dinner or going out to a happy hour with a friend, maybe having a drink with brunch, having alcohol with my lean-in group, so a, a women's group that gets together regularly. And then that doesn't even include the weekend, so maybe going out and doing some dancing to reggaeton or, um, you know, going to any other type of party or bar. And so I calculated that against how much alcohol I'm having now, which is probably a glass of wine usually or a glass of alcohol every two weeks. But again, I don't want to attach too much to that number, but it is about 85% less alcohol. So in terms of the challenges that I've had, I have to be perfectly honest that after some of the false starts that I had where I again, talk to people about wanting to drink less, but didn't actually do it. After those false starts, stopping or cutting down has actually been fairly easy for me. So I don't think that that's necessarily the experience that everybody would have. I think a lot of people have to deal with a lot of urges. And so that's something we actually talk about in life coaching is allowing those urges. So feeling it fully in your body without actually giving into it, but you're not resisting it either. It's simple and it's complicated. And so if you're interested in pursuing any of that, then life coaching might be for you. But in terms of my journey, it was fairly easy. Once I decided to stop drinking 
or to cut down on my drinking. It's just been honestly pretty simple. And so um, a lot of people are worried about what other people are going to say. I haven't experienced that a lot. I think I have a lot of friends who are pretty confident in their own drinking. And so they don't care if I don't order anything in a bar, they're still going to order something, which I appreciate because I don't want to make anyone feel like they can't enjoy themselves in the way that they want to enjoy themselves just by my presence and me drinking a club soda. Every once in a while, I do have a glass of wine. And the uh, one thing that's been interesting is that because I drink occasionally still, I think people get weirded out or maybe even offended when I don't drink around them. And so to me, it's nothing to do with the person whatsoever. And it's not like I'm saving my alcohol for the most special occasion. Um, So if I choose not to drink around someone, it has no indication about how I feel about them. So it's not that I'm more comfortable with them. It's not that I'm less comfortable. It's not that they're more fun. It's not that they're less fun. It really has no correlation with that whatsoever. One of the biggest reasons that I drink or don't drink on any particular day is the day that I had. And so if I know I've had a bad, hard day, I am less inclined to drink because I don't want to be drinking from a place of sadness. And I give full credit for that to two of my friends who taught me that they don't drink when they're sad because of alcoholism in their family. They never wanted to establish a pattern of drinking out of sadness. They want alcohol to be positively associated in their own lives. So I think if you do decide that you want to cut down on your drinking, being prepared to speak to it is important because people will ask about it. But I think if anyone's pressuring you or bullying you, I just – my honest reaction is we're adults. I can make an adult choice, um, and I just hope that other people respect that. The really simple line that I've heard is, I prefer not to, or I prefer not to tonight. If it is something that you are faced with a lot and if you have a community that's not supportive of you not drinking, then absolutely feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to brainstorm strategies. A lot of my work is around relationships and communication within those relationships. And so if you are in need of support, always happy to help out there. Honestly, the only real downside that I've experienced so far is that I have less stamina when I go out at night and I'm I'm not less fun, but I am more tired and I have less ability to filter all of the craziness of being out at a bar when I'm sober. And so if I have been drinking, I usually can stand a lot of high volume, a lot of crowds, people bumping into me. And I will say I have a lot less tolerance for that when I'm sober. So that's a downside. It, it really is. And wanting to go home earlier is a downside. It, I feel like it makes me slightly less fun. Um I know I just said it didn't make me less fun, but I actually do think it makes me slightly less fun. But for now, that's a trade-off that I'm willing to make. But it is the reality for me. In terms of not having something in my hands when I go out, I do still order a club soda with lime. I am totally happy with that. I don't really do many juices, but obviously you could order a mocktail if you wanted to look like you were drinking alcohol or if you wanted to have a substitute of flavor that feels like alcohol. Those are good alternatives, but I just haven't cared about that. I've also heard this idea twice recently to mix a LaCroix with kombucha. So if you're looking for a little bit of flavor and a little bit of carbonation, that can be a fun option depending on the setting that you're in. Something that I've been slightly surprised about and I'll admit disappointed about is that I thought that I would feel so much better. I thought that my skin would instantly improve. I thought that I might lose a little bit of weight really naturally. I thought that I would sleep better. I thought that I would never get a headache again in my entire life, but apparently I still do. (laughs) So it's not a cure-all. 
I mean, you still are in your body and you still are in your life. And in many ways, you're actually more present in your life, which means you're feeling your negative emotions actually even more. So there is a super awkward transition period, I think, for a lot of people where you are presented with a lot of negative emotions that you previously were buffering against and previously didn't feel because you were drinking. Something else that's been interesting to observe is that you have a lot of hours that you previously filled with drinking. Time goes by so fast when you're drinking. I don't think you realize that until you stop drinking. Uh, Like a night of seven hours can pass in a blink of an eye. And so you find yourself with actually more time, which sounds great in a time-deprived culture, but I think it can also be intimidating. Let's say you don't have a significant other or you don't have a ton of friends in your community. It can be intimidating to be faced with so much alone time. And so having strategies that you put in place in order to deal with that and get that natural hit of dopamine as opposed to the concentrated hit of dopamine that you get from something like alcohol is really important. So To preemptively respond to one of the questions that I hear a lot or one of the comments that I hear often is people say, well, alcohol is not a problem for me. I could quit at any time. And so I understand that absolutely. And I actually feel the same way about coffee where I'm like, I could quit at any time. I just don't want to. So if you don't want to, I don't don't care. I'm not going to encourage you to or force you to. But if there's something in you that's even just vaguely intrigued by this idea and you have resistance to it, I would highly encourage you to investigate that a little bit more. If there's something in you that feels like maybe you're drinking a little bit more than you'd want to or a little bit more habitually and out of reaction and instinct than actual choice, I recommend taking a deeper dive into that. I actually have to give props to one of my friends who has been drinking more than she would like to. And she actually doesn't drink because she wants to. So she doesn't love the taste and she doesn't love the feeling, unlike me. But she is drinking out of habit and out of peer pressure or perceived peer pressure. And so there are people out there who are, again, reassessing their relationship with alcohol And the reasons are always very different for different people. So I have another friend who actually stopped drinking during the week because of health reasons. And so we've been able to indirectly support her on that during events that we host. I wanted to respond to some of the questions that I get as well. So why did I stop drinking? I cut down on drinking because I wanted to be more present to the emotions that I feel on a regular basis. And so when I say that, I mean both negative emotions, but also positive emotions. I also have some pride wrapped up in the fact that I don't want to have to rely on alcohol to be interesting or fun or outgoing or adventurous. And so that for me has been a big reason as well is to become – to be more fully in all of those things without any kind of crutch. And the secondary reason is because I wanted to – remove myself from a lot of the societal messages about drinking just to be able to see them more clearly. Why do I still drink some alcohol? Um, I still drink some alcohol (laughs) because I like the taste of alcohol and I like the feeling of alcohol. And um, if I felt like I had completely disordered drinking, then I would be much more cautious. But I mostly want to make conscious decisions around alcohol and not do it from a place of default. So I want to make it deliberate choices. And I think that I can still 
decide to drink and have it not be a problem. I think it is interesting because a lot of times people stop drinking because the negative consequences outweigh the positive dopamine pleasure hits that they get from alcohol. So it's often comes back to avoiding negative consequences. I don't actually feel like I have any negative consequences in my life because of alcohol. It's never gotten to a place with me where I felt like I was making bad decisions that got me into bad places. But I still feel compelled to reassess. Do I ever feel deprived? I really don't. I honestly don't. I would be completely honest if I did feel deprived, but I have not experienced that at this point. I do think if I got into some social setting where every single person was drinking, maybe. So actually, the situation I always think about is weddings. And I, if I choose not to drink at a wedding, I may end up feeling deprived. But I may also decide to drink. So no, so far I don't feel deprived. How have I benefited or what have I gained from giving up alcohol? I have – this is an interesting question for me. I actually don't feel like I have that many tangible benefits, but somehow it still feels worth it. So explain that one to me. I don't know. Um, The biggest thing is that I have been waking up earlier. So I get up at 6.30 now um, by choice. (laughs) don't need to just do it. And I am able to fully focus on my morning pages, which I have talked about a lot here on the podcast. But that is just really fulfilling to me. You know that you're getting older when that is the sign of a successful morning is at 6.30 a.m. wake up and some free writing. Will I ever go back to the same amount of drinking that I used to do? It's possible. I think it's absolutely possible. I'm not opposed to it. Um, I would just want to make sure that I was making a conscious decision and I wasn't trying to cover up emotions or avoid emotions or use up my free time um, in an easy way. And lastly, what do you do instead of drinking? Do a lot of shit. I wake up early. <laughs> um, I So I assume that this question is in reference to evening. So I work out. I spend time with friends and I do the same things that I always did with friends, which is go to happy hours, but I just get a club soda. I go to events where there's alcohol. I have no problem with that. Um, I actually go on a lot of walks with my friends or sometimes on dates. Um, I find that that's just a really nice way to have a great conversation, be outside, and there's no alcohol involved. Um, Comedy clubs, obviously, those are usually heavily flowing with alcohol, but it's totally still fun. I mean, if you can't laugh at a comedy show without alcohol, then you might want to reassess. Um, I am going to different events at my co-working space that don't involve alcohol, so different lessons. Um, I just signed up for an improv class, which I'm really excited about. I am going to be doubling down on my Italian lessons. So, I mean, that could involve wine, but it doesn't have to. And um, museums, hanging around, doing a puzzle at home, reading, watching TV, those are all things that could very easily have alcohol involved with them, but they are also very, very easy to do without alcohol if you want to make that commitment. 
In terms of resources, I'm going to put some links in the show notes. Um, One Facebook page that I really like because I like the transformation stories is One Year No Beer. So it's actually a support group for people who want to quit drinking and people just share their stories of everything that they've accomplished now that they don't have hours dedicated to drinking. It's really cool to, to watch and kind of virtually applaud those people. I'll also put a link to Brooke Castillo's work. She does a lot with over drinking. It's not people who have addiction, but more people who just feel like they drink a little bit more than they would want to in an ideal world. So I actually think it's a really cool time to be focused on being a little bit more sober, maybe 100% more sober, maybe 85% more sober like me or 50%. Um, There's a lot of support out there right now. And actually, I've been reading a lot of articles recently about how millennials are drinking less than ever and how there's a lot of businesses that are popping up to specifically accommodate people who don't want to drink. So you've got places like board game rooms, you have mocktail bars, and then you have special events like Daybreaker, which is a sober dance party in the morning. So it's a pretty cool time to be exploring this, and you might find that if you start talking about it in your community, there are more people who are either sober or who would like to explore more sobriety in your direct network. So highly recommend talking about it just to see what shakes out. In closing, I wanted to share a little story. So there is a fellow life coach who I chat with on a pretty regular basis, and she mentioned to me once that she has a hard time relating to those who drink or overdrink because she doesn't drink, none of her friends and family drink, nobody in her community drinks. And so this was kind of shocking to my system because alcohol has been a part of my everyday life since I was 17. It doesn't mean I drink every day, but I would say that alcohol as a consideration comes into my life at least once per day. So I want to speak briefly to the people who are more like me, who think about alcohol on a pretty consistent basis. And I want to put the reminder out there that that is not the norm for everybody. And so I hear a lot of people, especially in the city, say, well, alcohol is the norm in D.C. That's just what people in cities do. And I'm not here to argue with you. You may be statistically correct, although I will say, being from North Carolina and having lived abroad, alcohol happens everywhere. Guatemala, Italy, Spain, you can find people drinking in any community. But my point is that there are opportunities to be with people who do not drink, where it's not a regular part of their life. And so it's about seeking out those people in your community. For me, that was honestly really eye-opening. It should not be shocking to me, but it was. And as I was having this conversation with this fellow life coach, I looked up at my bulletin board and I have multiple birthday cards. I have one that has a picture of a tequila bottle I have one that has a cup of coffee and a glass of wine, and it says, she loves me more. No, she loves me more because everyone knows how much I love wine and coffee. And I think there's a third birthday card that says, like, a glass of wine prevents you from worrying about how much older you're getting or something like that. So I just present those different data points to open your mind a little bit to this idea that alcohol does not have to be part of our everyday lives. And I've experience a lot of freedom and a lot of curiosity by just deciding that alcohol wasn't going to weigh in on my decisions as much as it was in the past. So whatever you decide to do, whether this was just an episode that was really intellectually intriguing to you or whether you actually decide that you want to reduce your alcohol consumption or whether alcohol has never been part of your life and you just like listening, 
Thank you for listening, first of all. And if you want to reach out, it's hello at peakcoaching.co. That's P-I-Q-U-E. I would love to hear your stories and your questions about alcohol. So thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to The Peak Podcast. Your support helps this podcast grow. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and then head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is so much appreciated, and I will see you on the next episode.